Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Have you ever had Jesus say to you that you had little faith? I know I have. And I know that today, as we read this passage, our hearts are invited by God to receive a conviction about the measure of our faith, not to shame us or discourage us, but rather to invite us into the faith that Jesus developed in his disciples in preparation for his departure. This is Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 23. The title is Jesus Size Faith. The prayer prompt for today is Jesus, what do you want to use my faith to move? Let's listen into this story and ask the Lord after this podcast, take it to conversation with the Lord so that the Lord can both mature and grow your faith and show you the mountains that he wants to move. Verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. This was immediately after the transfiguration in the last podcast episode. Jesus and the three lead apostles are coming down from the mountain after an incredible moment of encounter. And this man approaches Jesus coming down from the mountain, kneels before him, and verse 15 says, Lord Have mercy on my son. Have we heard that before? What a beautiful heart cry. If you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're a co-worker, if you have any relationship to anyone in your life, I encourage you, come and kneel before the son and cry out, Christ, have mercy on my boss. Have mercy on my coworker. Have mercy on my mayor. Have mercy on my governor. You will be amazed at what happens when you bring people to Jesus. Let's stand with Christ here and be amazed at what he's about to do. The man continues to describe what his son is needing. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. There's a real feeling of powerlessness. For some of you, you've maybe worked in the medical field, operating in God's ingenuity and resources and blessings in the natural to help people to access healing. Or maybe you've experienced uh, looking for supernatural healing through prayer and seeking God, or maybe even other natural forms of healing through receiving God's grace through food and diet and so many things. Whatever way the streams of God's grace you're looking towards as he pours out provision in so many different ways, it's a very difficult thing when you're longing to help someone and you just can't. I'm sure the disciples felt the pain of this moment. When they had seen Jesus heal people, they had been sent out into towns and villages. They had seen extraordinary miracles. But for some reason in this moment, it wasn't working. 
One thing to highlight about this, Jesus is about to cast out a demon. One of the things that demons are constantly trying to do is to create seizures in you. For this boy, it was manifest in physical seizures. Oftentimes, again, our physical ailments are actually spirit-induced, and we're able to medicate them and address them in part through modern medicine at times. Sometimes those things cannot hit it, cannot cover it. But either way, there's root systems of spirits that God deals with. But what these spirits are constantly wanting to do, they're wanting to cause seizures, which is a physical embodiment of your system shutting down. And as you shut down, there's a shaking in your nervous system and an inability to engage with what's around you as your body is shutting down in different ways. It leads to great suffering as well. And what's interesting, he often fell into the fire or water. Every single demonic realm is constantly trying to get different parts of your spirit, soul, and body to short circuit in particular moments in order to cause you to be unable to engage with God and with others. They're constantly trying to create suffering in you, whether physically, emotionally, spiritually. And they specifically are trying to get you to fall or throw yourself into contexts that bring damage. For him, again, it's physical fire and physical water. The spirits know if they can simply get him into those two elements, they can finally destroy his life. Unfortunately, that's the state of the demonic realm, their aims and their purposes. Jesus doesn't get stuck just on the physical. The man never said that he had a demon. He described his physical situation. Let's listen into Jesus' response and really learn both how God relates to the physical and the natural and how he relates to the disciples regarding their inability to heal the boy. Verse 17, O unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. For many of us, that might seem like a horrible start to follow up. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation is what he says. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. What's interesting in this moment is Jesus is confronting two things. One, their unbelief. As they are unable to heal the boy, and as the boy is experiencing such suffering, Jesus cuts right at the issue. This is a matter of unbelief. All demonic access to humanity actually came in and is retained through a lack of trust in God that causes us to be distant from him and his blessings. Jesus cuts right in at that issue of unbelief. The second is perversity or a twisting or a bending. When Satan came in and challenged us in Genesis 3 and onwards to not believe or not trust God, we become perverse. Now, a perversion is simply a manipulation or a twisting, a bending of ourselves. Our actual form, our thoughts, our emotions, our attitudes, and our decisions all become manipulated and bent outside of accessing and enjoying God's best. Jesus cuts right at the core of it. 
you don't trust God. And in that, you have become so twisted up. You can't get this unless you actually trust him and believe him. And so he says, bring the boy here to me. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. I want to highlight a few things. This does not negate the power of natural medicines, of food and diet and all the different things that God has stored as treasures in creation for us to enjoy, but also to sustain us and protect us from the effects of sin and death. And I'm also not speaking against the different ingenuity, creativity, tools and instruments and capacities that God's given to modern medicine. But I also want to highlight that when a demon is involved, the other two streams can only medicate and try to resist the actual effects, but they cannot bring about the full recovery. Jesus goes right to the core of the issue, goes right to the demon. He detects that there was a demon behind it, and the boy's healed from that moment. A few things for us as believers. One, when there is demons involved, if we don't first detect them, we certainly can't get the person healed. But after detecting, we also need adequate faith to get the person healed. Jesus continues. This is verse 19. This gives more clarity. The disciples come to Jesus in private and ask. So the boy's healed. The man goes away. The disciples are like, huh, we clearly missed something. Let's follow up with Jesus on this. They come to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? They discerned it was a demon. They attempted to drive it out, but they were not able to drive it out. Jesus replies in verse 20, because, listen carefully, because, Before I continue, I want to say many of us have experienced a lack of answers to prayer and our because often goes to, well, the Father in heaven didn't want it. And actually, you know, when the demon's tormenting this boy, it's actually forming character in the boy. And when he's having to resist it and not throw himself into the fire, it's actually teaching him to rely and depend on God more. I want to really warn us. Romans 12 points to this. It says that by having a renewed mind, we're transformed. And then we're able to both test and prove or demonstrate what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Because God constantly uses horrible situations for the good, and he in fact is covenanted by promise to work all things together for you for your good. The issue is, is that with an unrenewed mind, we assume that the good that God's working through our unbelief is actually his ideal will. Jesus does not say, oh, God doesn't want this boy to be healed. He doesn't go down that route whatsoever. He says, it's you because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is such an amazing statement. 
I want to encourage us in other translations, not other translations, in other gospel renditions, it talks about uh, you have little faith, but it adds that this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Whether you focus more on what Jesus is emphasized in saying in one part of the faith dimension, or if you highlight the fact that prayer and fasting is involved, which is really two ways of engaging and growing in faith. Either way, the conclusion is, is that nothing will be impossible for you. This is an important prom- promise that God wants to put deep into our souls. Before we move on to these closing verses, 22 and 23, I want to highlight when Jesus confronted the disciples and said, you of little faith, this is the truth of the matter. This is what you need to hear. It gave them greater clarity to pursue him for more faith. In Revelation, one of the warnings that Jesus speaks to the church, he says, you're poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. And he tells them to come get salve so their eyes can see. He tells them to come and get clothes so they're not naked. But he specifically says, come and get gold refined by fire. Come and purchase it without price. In the scripture, faith is often referred to as gold. Gold gets refined and it gets refined through fires. And what Jesus was inviting that church to in Revelation, what he's inviting you into is that until you hear that you're poor in faith, it's hard to become rich in faith, like Jesus said through the writer of James in the epistle of James. He has chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith. For some of us, we might feel like our financial resources are low, our relational resources are low. Maybe we feel like we don't have much time to serve people. Whatever way you feel like you have a poverty, if you have faith, you have no idea how rich you are. To the measure of faith you have, you can actually partner with God and manifest any dimension of his desired kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The sky's the limit. Recognize that. Our Father, who's a billionaire, trillionaire, and beyond, is inviting you to begin with a mustard seed of faith. Jesus had just quoted that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Smallest seed, smallest beginning, but can grow into the largest of garden plants. Hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking. He's going to increase that mustard seed and grow it, and grow it, and grow it. If you feel like you're at a mustard seed, be of good courage. There's things that you can move now just with that, but the mustard seed also points to growth. Two scriptural ways that faith is grown. One, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. May his word be your meditation. That will expand your faith. The second, it says that if we fix our eyes on Jesus, He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. So as we gaze upon him, meditate on him, and look at him as a person and the eyes of our heart are opened, there's a perfecting that also happens in our faith. In verse 22, it says, When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. Oh, beloved, may we not be filled with grief. May we be filled 
with faith. Jesus is speaking things even to you today like he did to the disciples. And instead of grieving the difficulties we'll go through, let's celebrate the faith-filled proclamation of who God is and what's about to come into our lives. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by his spirit who indeed is this Jesus. Thank you.